0: And welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. I'm the titular Sean.
1: And I'm the very titular Carrie.
0: And this is the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, the unexplainable, the macabre, and the bizarre, and tries to find an answer. Caroline, what little chestnut are we trying to crack this week?
1: Well, Sean, this is The Big 2-5. It's our 25th episode. Oh my
0: god. yeah (laughs) that's that's a quarter of
1: a hundred episodes i know the big quarter of a hundred they call it i I, people are constantly calling (laughs) me to call it that yeah for this milestone episode i decided to cover a milestone family in american history The Kennedys.
0: Oh, controversial.
1: Mm -hmm. And more specifically, the purported curse that surrounds them, along with a little extra coverage of the Chappaquiddick incident.
0: Ah, cursed with money, power. Good looks. Good looks. Terrible. Um, Boston accents. Yeah, it's really rough. It's really (laughs) rough for the Kennedys. Okay, let's get into it.
1: Well, I assume you've heard of the Kennedy curse. Yes, of course. Care to share?
0: Um, It seems like men in the family (laughs) die a lot. Uh, Not just men, Sean. And women in the family die a lot. I I do want to point out that technically members of every family die. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah, totally. I remember there was a lot of talk about this when JFK Jr.'s plane went Mm -hmm. into the drink on the way to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Or back from Martha's Vineyard? On the way to. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's not just that they pass away it's the way that they do um the kennedy family and obviously if you're american i mean we might have some listeners outside of the country now but i think even so you, you've probably heard of them mm-hmm. um the most famous member of the family being john john uh jfk our the, old buddy jack he's a president. Um, this family has experienced what seems to be an unprecedented number of specifically horrible tragedies since they became relevant in the American consciousness around the mid twentieth century.
0: Okay, um, I, so are we going to just list a series of, uh, <laughs> of?
1: We're gonna we're gonna chat about it and and try to figure out where this little theory came from, this Kennedy curse moniker. I mean, there's even a Wikipedia page for Kennedy curse. Um, So when you have that, that, and it states, political assassinations and plane crashes have been the most common manifestations of the curse, you know you're in for a wild ride.
0: Yeah, for... (laughs) For political assassinations to be the most common way a curse has affected your family. <laughs> and
1: plane crashes, which, as someone who's terrified of, of plane travel, um, everyone insists to me that it's so safe. Not if you're a Kennedy, for sure.
0: Well, yeah, I, they're probably frequently not flying in commercial airlines, right?
1: Sometimes, yeah. Uh, many of us know the big... Tragic events, but there are other strange coincidences and calamities that really add up to make this a very eerie story.
0: Now, what I'm going to be on the lookout for here is trying to place these deaths on the kind of spectrum between slipping in your bathtub, normal stuff, Mm -hmm. mundane, and, and... uh, Final Destination.
1: Yes, something's following this family. The
0: steel cables break on the truck, and then like a log from, Ugh, from a don't truck. Don't remind goes me. <laughs> I can't.
1: I can't drive behind logging trucks anymore because of Final Destination Two. I believe that was. Um, yeah. So most accounts of this. The curse events uh, start with Joseph P Kennedy Sr. That's JFK's father, but I'm actually oh, by, by all
0: accounts a great man, right? Nice.
1: We'll sweet get into gri- we'll get into Joe. He was with kids. Dad's named Joe. Rough. You got Joe Jackson. Others. Other dads named Joe. Um, but I'm going to back up a bit from there to the land of your forefathers, Sean.
0: Bridgeport. I are,
1: Ireland. (laughs) Ireland. Ireland.
0: That makes more sense.
1: This particular story, which was recounted by a local in Ireland to a journalist, comes from Ireland's The Big Issue. And I looked into it just to make sure it's legit publication. It is a street newspaper that originated in the UK and is distributed in nine different countries. So it's a real... A real thing.
0: With all the uh, Mexican food we've been having this week, I've been looking forward to my own big issue.
1: Ugh. (laughs) God. That's what Ugh. Horrible. Now, keep in mind, the only source for this particular legend I could find comes from this article. But it's fun enough to include, so I figured I would. So, picture it. Ireland, the 1830s. Thomas Honey Fitz Fitzgerald had long had a vision of gold buried in a place surrounded by mountains and lakes, or so he said. This kind of reminds me of Count von Kosell dreaming of Elena all his life, of course. So Honey Fitz traveled around Ireland searching for this particular place, and during his search, he met a man in Galway City who pointed him toward the, and I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, Mom Turks and the Twelve Bens Mountain Range. Oh. Saying that the area Fitz was describing was in the town of Ored, and they had a local myth about buried gold there, too. So it seemed to...
0: Oh, everything's, Correspond. everything's coming up for Honey Fitz. Honey and...
1: Fitz. In Ored, which, uh, which was in County Galway, life for the once Golden Village, as it had been called, had become grim. This didn't deter Honey Fitz, however. In fact, he moved to Orid and befriended people for miles around, trying to get any information he could on his quest for the treasure. How long did he do this for? A few years, I think. One night, Fitz and a group of neighbors came upon a dying woman in the road, brought her inside for the night in a local herdsman's house. When the woman woke the next morning, so she wasn't on death's door, I guess, (laughs) she examined a big black cooking pot hanging in the hearth that had writing in the Ogham language in it or on it. Um, Now, the Ogham language is like an early medieval language that was used primarily to create the early Irish language. Mm -hmm. She told this crew of men that the writing on the pot read, the other side of the tree is just as good. Now, I'm kind of confused about what this what happens here but (laughs) the other side of the tree it seems this original pot was found by fitzgerald under a certain hawthorn tree i think so he returned to where he found that pot and dug on the other side of the tree and this is when he finally found the gold he'd been dreaming of buried under the tree
0: why am i thinking of joseph smith at a certain point,
1: <laughs> the founder of Mormonism.
0: Yeah, it's like these these messages that yeah. only mean something to him.
1: I, the pot part got kind of hazy for me, but
0: it, it, it was it's like it was written in an ancient script a long time ago, but it refers to something he did yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm on the other side of the tree just is just, as, just good. as good. So he shared his hoard of gold coins with the O'Malleys and some other neighbors, uh, which I find very kind of him, at least. Sure. However, according to the legend, the gold was supposed to be very unlucky, and people were afraid to touch them, except, I assume, the people he gave them to. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, you would, you would certainly think so. Um, are you saying their money didn't spend?
1: Well, it's said that the gold coins brought down terrible luck onto the entire village, starting soon after with O'Malley's wife, who poisoned herself and died.
0: Was she one of the people who got the coins?
1: Well, yeah. O'Malley got coins. So, you know, she got at least 50% of them, I guess.
0: I own 51% (laughs) of this company.
1: (laughs) The village was wiped out by famine and what they called the big wind in 1839, which I assume is some sort of storm, and basically wiped out 40 houses to just one still standing. This uh, bit of unluckiness didn't stop Honey Fitz, though. He and others who benefited from the discovery used the gold to journey to America, supposedly taking the bad luck out of Ord and with him. They say the bad luck that follows the Kennedys is partially originally from that gold. As for Honey Fitz, Uh he immigrated to Boston, married, and became a successful businessman. His son, John Fitzgerald, became a congressman for Massachusetts and mayor of Boston, and his granddaughter, Rose, was JFK's mother, Rose Fitzgerald. Which brings us to... So it's not really the Kennedy curse, then, you're saying? it's. This the... is the Fitzgerald part.
0: Oh, the Kennedys separately brought a curse down upon themselves? This is a... E- it's like a
1: perfect storm of curses? We're going to come back to that. I tried... We're going to come back to that. <laughs> to, to the specifically patriarchal line, of course. Um, so Rose's husband, Joseph P. Kennedy Sr., was a prominent American businessman, investor, and politician. The real Kennedy legacy as we know it begins with him and joins the perhaps cursed or perhaps blessed legacy of the Fitzgerald, Fitzgeralds on Rose's side. Mm-hmm. Joe Sr. was a personality <laughs> i guess you could say um wasn't he a bootlegger
0: or there, there's yeah rumors? there was
1: bootlegging in the family uh he was born to an already political boston family the kennedys and his father patrick joseph kennedy served in the massachusetts legislature so there's politics on both sides here
0: yeah and in, big
1: in the- base in massachusetts as well
0: and on the kennedy side it goes all the way back to basically when it was a state
1: yes um, Joe amassed a fortune
0: oh, Commonwealth, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Joe amassed a fortune uh, in banking and trading, which he grew even larger with investments, and served in various political roles including as US ambassador to the UK during the lead-up to World War II. Kennedy was pessimistic about Britain's ability to survive attacks from Nazi Germany, and he supported Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain's policy of appeasement oh yeah, seeking sure. out uh meetings with adolf hitler multiple times uh, you know let's hear what the guy has to say <laughs> very loudly
0: and very angrily we've got we've got backup desks in reserve if he bangs his fist on a couple of, it's not it's not a big deal it's okay yeah
1: so i don't think he ever personally met with him but he tried to he tried his his hardest um So this is where understandably controversy about Joe Kennedy began with him telling a British reporter in late 1939 that he was confident that Roosevelt, who had appointed him as ambassador, would fall in 1940 and publicly stating during the Battle of Britain in November 1940 that, quote, democracy is finished in England. It may be here in the United States.
0: Oh, interesting. And he's like, just kind of speculating on, like, so I'll throw a few of my pennies over betting on the. um,
1: Yeah, I'll say this stuff on the record. Who cares? Yeah. After this, uh, Kennedy resigned from his ambassadorship. Um, His hopes were dashed for succeeding Franklin Roosevelt in the White House in 1940.
0: Oh, he was hoping to be president.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, the curse began to take hold. So Joe and Rose had nine children, because you got to love those Irish Catholics.
0: <laughs> Not a condom in the bunch. No,
1: never. Um, so we got Joe Jr., John, Rosemary, Kathleen, Eunice, Patricia, Robert, Jean, and Ted. It's the whole Kennedy clan.
0: Yeah, I got to say, John, Bobby, and Ted really took all the good normal names, the rest of the family.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, every every other person in this family is Joseph, John, or Patrick, so. Eunice? <laughs> Eunice is unfortunate. <laughs> um, So after he resigned, Rosemary, who was the oldest daughter, was institutionalized in 1941 as Joe Sr. was worried about her mood swings and that they would tarnish the family reputation.
0: Oh, this is like a, uh, she's hysterical.
1: Yeah. Uh, by all accounts, Rosemary was, like, maybe a little slow with some emotional problems and seizures, but the scope of her disabilities as they were publicized by the Kennedys, I mean, if they were at all, has kind of been questioned um, because despite her being a little intellectually stunted, she still enjoyed a normal social life and had her own interests. Um, she well, was just, like, you know, a little emotionally and... Uh, educationally immature sure until
0: they locked her away
1: well this wasn't good enough for demanding joe who wanted perfection from all of his children and he was basically humiliated by his daughter's mental and emotional setbacks um i read one thing about her being presented to the uh, king of england and uh, his wife the queen at the time and she like tripped when she was doing the very complicated curtsy and everyone was like mortified it's like who who cares
0: how many kids
1: she's the oldest daughter in a group of nine i mean it
0: must be exhausting to be that angry at all of the nine children all All the time time.
1: yeah he was a very bitter man so he decided that rosemary should have a lobotomy
0: Uh, uh, um what yeah but i thought she was just a little
1: yeah she, she had emotional issues, she had seizures and things like that, but she lived a pretty normal life. Um, she was basically an equivalent of like spe- special education in college and things like that, but she was a pretty normal person. Um, he didn't inform his wife of his decision to have her get in the lobotomy till after the procedure was done.
0: Oh, by the way, you remember our daughter? You remember Eunice.
1: Yeah, we stuck an ice pick in her brain. And this one's Rosemary.
0: Do you remember Rosemary. <laughs> Because Rosemary doesn't. That's why I'm asking.
1: Yeah. The procedure was not only unsuccessful, but tragically damaging. Rosemary's mental capacity diminished to that of a two-year-old child. And she was now unable to walk or speak intelligibly and was incontinent. Couldn't take care of herself.
0: Yet the problem was, uh, girl's a little slow, and your solution was take an ice pick to her brain. Yeah.
1: She lived in an institutions for the rest of her life, hidden away from the public at large. Her mother didn't visit her again for 20 years. And Joe himself never visited her once she was institutionalized. Well, at least there was that. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine she was dying to see him. Um, her siblings only learned of her lobotomy and location in 1961. <laughs> and the whole story didn't become public knowledge until 1987.
0: So was this like at the inauguration? Like, congratulations, Mr. President. Oh, by the way, we took a nice pick to your sister's brain.
1: I assume it had to do with him becoming president and being briefed on a bunch of things and him being like, what? Um, so that that's kind of where we start with the tragedies. Obviously, she didn't die, but um, it's a horif- horrifying thing to happen. And now, Now we have Joseph Kennedy Jr., You could tell by the name he was Joe's great hope for the family, the oldest son, the one who bore his name, and the one who was initially groomed for great things. Joe Sr. hoped that Joe Jr. would be the first Roman Catholic president, and Joe Jr. was a Massachusetts delegate to the Democratic National Convention in 1940. Jr. had some questionable views. Uh-oh. including that Hitler's sterilization policy was a great thing that will do away with many of the disgusting specimens of men.
0: Ooh, that's, that is worse than dad taking a meeting with Hitler, for sure.
1: Well, yeah, because after visiting Nazi Germany in 1934, he wrote to his father that, quote, Hitler is building a spirit in his men that could be envied in any country. Yikes.
0: Yeah, so big fan of Hitler? Like
1: Charles Lindbergh-level fan of Hitler. I I don't think he minded Hitler. (laughs) Um, Joe Jr. was killed in action during World War II in 1944 while serving as a land-based patrol bomber pilot when his BQ-8 aircraft accidentally exploded over East Suffolk, England.
0: Which army was he in?
1: (laughs) Uh, Tragically, by this time... Joe Kennedy Jr. had completed 25 combat missions and was eligible to return home, but he chose instead to volunteer for another mission under Operation Aphrodite. And that's when he was blown up. Well, if he loved the
0: Nazis so much, why was he going back to fight them some more?
1: (laughs) Why don't you marry him? Uh, I don't know. I guess he changed his mind in the 10 years between him visiting and him
0: blowing up. I like the cut of that Hitler's jib, but to be honest, I just like killing too much. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Kathleen Kennedy, the second oldest Kennedy daughter, had married an Englishman named... Isn't
0: Kathleen Kennedy in charge of, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
1: Different person, same name. Okay. Had married an Englishman named William Cavendish, Marquess of Hardington, eldest son and heir apparent to the 10th Duke of Devonshire in 1944. It's a lot of titles. Yeah, he's a fancy boy. Her husband died only four months later during active service in Belgium. And Kathleen herself died in yet another plane crash in 1948 during a flight to the south of France while on vacation with her new partner, the 8th Earl Fitzwilliam.
0: Okay, but those first... Except for that last death, those were all wartime World War Two deaths, right?
1: Yeah, those two Joe Jr. and her husband died in war. Yep. But this is also two plane crashes in five years for this family.
0: Yeah, they were flying planes in <laughs> World War Two.
1: Except for Kathleen, who was just taking a trip to the south of France.
0: In a late forties private aircraft.
1: Well, this would be the second plane-related death for the Kennedy family, but not the last.
0: These guys got to stop riding in planes. Mm -hmm.
1: So the curse seemed to lay off for a while after this with John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the next oldest brother and the one tapped by Joe Sr. to replace golden boy Joe Jr., becoming the president of the United States in 1960. You finally did it, Joe. We did it, you guys. The good fortune wouldn't last for long, though. Oh, I was just going to say, nothing bad will ever happen again to the Never. Counties. Joe Sr. suffered a severe stroke in 1961, leaving him paralyzed on his right side and severely affecting his ability to speak.
0: Yeah, but he might have just been a victim of his own. Don't you think his own hatred finally <laughs> consumed him like uh, Emperor I think, Palpatine?
1: I mean, considering what he did to Rosemary, uh, it's a very ironic thing to happen to him. Usually included on the list of curse-related deaths is that of Patrick Bouvier Kennedy, the second son of JFK, and his wife, Jackie. Patrick, born prematurely, lived only 39 hours before dying from complications of a highline membrane disease, and it really sent the nation into mourning. He had been one of the first kids to be born in office um, in a long time, and obviously, everyone was kind of excited for the, the new baby. So,
0: But did he ever come home or was he like in incubators for a while? I think
1: the- he was in the hospital for his life. Hmm. John and Jackie had already had a stillborn baby girl, Arabella, in 1956. And though they'd had two healthy children after that, Caroline and John Jr. Good names. <laughs> yeah. The second loss was really horrific for both of them. Patrick's birth on August 7th marked 20 years to the day that John had been rescued by the U.S. Navy after spending five days marooned on an island in the Pacific after the sinking of torpedo boat PT-109 during World War II. Is this the one that got him the medals? Yeah.
0: When he, so, like, he like swam six other guys to the island or something crazy like that?
1: hmm It's a pretty crazy story. Um. And next, uh, just a few months later, comes the tragedy that needs no introduction, JFK's assassination on November 22nd, 1963. Now, I'm not going to go too deep into this yet, because... Because you want to do a
0: full episode on it? Not
1: even, like, multiple. I mean, you, you have to do multiple episodes on this. There's a lot of conspiracy theories, but... We all know the gist. Um, President Kennedy, during a motorcade in Dallas, Texas, was shot and killed by supposedly lone nut Lee Harvey Oswald. And then Oswald himself was killed by Jack Ruby two days later. The assassination of JFK ended what had been Oswald, (laughs) what had been hoped to be a Kennedy presidential dynasty and the hope of Camelot in the White House. But never fear, Sean. Robert F. Kennedy, now the oldest son and attorney general of the US under his brother John, decided to take up the mantle of Kennedy Politico and run for president himself in nineteen sixty eight. Joe's like
0: running out of sons. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, basically he's he's running out of draft picks here. <laughs> Next son <laughs> Pretty much. Joe and John are gone, so now the next oldest, Bobby. Uh, RFK was an advocate for the civil rights movement and fought against organized crime and the mafia and was very beloved in the Democratic Party. Most folks thought he would be the Democratic presidential nominee. But shortly after winning the California primary on June 5th, 1968, he was assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan, a 24-year-old Palestinian man that was reportedly angered by his support for Israel following the Six-Day War in 1967. So this assassination is also the subject of many conspiracy theories I won't get into today.
0: Of course, but did it capture the national imagination in the same way that, like, the president's assassination had?
1: Not as much, because he wasn't actively the president at that point, Um, but it it was big news, and it happened live on TV. Um so I think his like his child had been watching TV and saw his father shot.
0: And he was getting ready to run in 68?
1: He was running. Um he had just won the California primary, so he was probably going to be the Democratic nominee. Uh, so this dramatically recalibrated the hopes of the family yet again. But these weren't the only tragedies in RFK's immediate family to that point either. Both of his wife, Ethel's parents, died in October 1955 in a plane crash.
0: These people need to stop taking planes.
1: Yeah. Speaking of that, in 1964, Ted Kennedy, the youngest child, and at this point... But with
0: the uh, biggest head.
1: (laughs) Yes. At this point, a U.S. senator survived a plane crash. Good for him. Uh, This is,
0: Ted shows some skills the rest of the family doesn't have.
1: Yeah, we're about to find out about that. Um, This crash did kill one of his...
0: He gets out of all kinds of crashes, doesn't he?
1: Somehow. This crash killed one of his aides as well as the pilot, but he was pulled from the rubble and spent five months in a hospital recovering from a broken back, punctured lung, broken ribs, and internal bleeding. A broken... Back, mm-hmm, which obviously troubled him for the rest of his life,
0: like the Batman.
1: Yeah, following the plane crash, RFK had remarked to an aide, "Somebody up there doesn't like us."
0: Okay, so is is that the first time that any Kennedy referred to like a curse?
1: Yep, but it's not the last. Uh-huh. And speaking I of that, imagine, yeah, we arrive at the story that I will spend the most time on this episode: the chappaquiddick incident.
0: Oh, my God. That sounds like something that you wait for after a break. After the break. One of Scotland's most notorious unsolved murders. To think that someone could turn a cheese wire into a grot and take someone's life. The level of violence, the uncertainty, and the randomness frightened people. She always thought the killer was going to come back after her. Society needs to find that killer. Who is the cheesewire killer? Listen to the Fool series now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're here, which means you love podcasts. But are you looking for another kind of entertainment on the go? Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to memoirs, news, business, and more. By signing up for a free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash scary, you'll receive access to thousands of titles with one credit toward any audiobook and two Audible originals, free during your trial and then with subscription each month after. Personally, my favorite Audible title is also my favorite book, It by Stephen King. I went into this audiobook ready to judge because I've loved this novel since I was a kid. But between the stellar production value and the truly breathtaking narration performance by actor Stephen Weber, I was 100% all in. If you like this podcast and have a strong stomach, I think you will be too. Not into audiobooks? No problem. With podcasts, theatrical performances, guided meditations, and more, Audible offers something for everyone. So what are you waiting for? Get started now. And hey, you'll be helping support the podcast. Visit our link at www.audibletrial.com slash ain't it scary for a free trial. That's www.audibletrial.com slash A-I-N-T-I-T-S-C-A-R-Y. Audible. Listen more.
0: And we're back. Of course, as you remember, we are getting into the Kennedy family, the Kennedy curse. And we were about to talk about one of the most memorable. I I sound like I'm doing a a 70s top 10, one of those (laughs) uh, CD, pure disco, the most memorable hits. Uh, One of the most memorable of the tragedies that happened to and or around the Kennedy family.
1: But yet isn't as uh, well known as the assassinations of JFK and RFK by like the world at large, I would say.
0: And that would be the Chappaquiddick incident, the Mm -hmm. death of a young woman and the eventual speech that followed.
1: Yeah. So the Chappaquiddick incident, or as it's sometimes known, simply Chappaquiddick. So what is this strangely named event? Well, we're back to Ted Kennedy here. As I mentioned before the break, Ted survived a plane crash in 1964. And by July 1960.
0: So this means he's free of the curse. Ted will never have anything bad happen. No, it's like
1: final destination. It'll come back. It'll come back around. By 1969, he had also survived all three of his older brothers to become the only Kennedy son left in the family. And he was also, at this point, a United States Senator for the state of Massachusetts.
0: Probably not too much, like, family pressure on him. Joe seems pretty cool, so.
1: (laughs) Yikes. Uh, So at the time of the Chappaquiddick incident, Ted was planning a run at the White House in
0: 1972. Ooh, go beat uh, Tricky Dick Nixon.
1: Mm. Ted and his cousin, Joseph... Joseph Gargan traditionally would race Kennedy's sailboat in the annual Edgartown Yacht Club Regatta each summer off of Martha's Vineyard.
0: Boy, if this isn't some white people (laughs) shit. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But they had missed the event the year earlier due to the assassination of RFK in June 1968.
0: Boy, if that isn't some white people shit. Yeah.
1: So, summer 1969 was supposed to be the return to some sort of normalcy for these men, who were uh, 37 and 39 at this time, and all of their friends and compatriots. Joe Gargan rented a place called Lawrence Cottage for the weekend on nearby Chappaquiddick Island, which was accessible by ferry from Edgartown on Martha's Vineyard.
0: Martha's Vineyard again?
1: Yeah. So Chappaquiddick is right off of Martha's Vineyard.
0: These, these.
1: It's like a mini island. These
0: people love spending time on Martha's Vineyard.
1: I mean, yeah. They also hosted a cookout party for the first night of the regatta, which was Friday, July 18th, and invited a group of women called the Boiler Room Girls.
0: Oh, the Boiler Room Girls. Didn't they have a, a top 10 single in 2004 uh, <laughs> with, with Baby Bring Me Down? What? <laughs> sounds like a girl group. <laughs>
1: The Boiler Room girls were six women who had served on RFK's 1968 presidential campaign and had become very close to the family. Oh. Kennedy and Gargan wanted to reunite the group, presumably to create some positive new memories to replace the tragic previous summer. Oh, and also going on at this mm-hmm. exact time, Apollo 11 had launched that week and was due to make its historic landing on the moon that very Sunday.
0: Oh, so they were going to, like, watch it on TV together? Maybe,
1: yeah. The moon landing mission was John F. Kennedy's dream and happened because of him, even though he wasn't alive to see it. Mm -hmm. It finally occurring.
0: Did it happen because of him? I mean, he said that thing that time. No, he was. Before the end of this (laughs) decade.
1: Everyone thought he was crazy for saying that they would get on the moon. Um, It was his, like, baby. It's like Obamacare. Like, this was his thing. So it finally occurring in 1969 was a massive reminder to all the Kennedys and their associates of the power and promise the family had once held and how long the shadow of JFK still loomed over them. Mm-hmm. So the boiler room girls. These were Mary Jo Kopechny, Rosemary Keogh, Esther Newberg, Nance and Mary Ellen Lyons, and Susan Tannenbaum. Perhaps conveniently for the men at the party who were – most, I think, all of them were married except for one guy. Mm-hmm. All of the girls were in their twenties and single.
0: Other, Wait, t- well, Carrie, why would that be convenient if the men are all married? Oh, 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 so their wives weren't on this. <laughs> the
1: trip. Kennedys are known for fucking around and finding out, if you, you
0: will. You told me the Kennedys were known for dying. Well, <laughs> fuck around and find, find out. Fuck
1: around and find out. <laughs> Um, Other attendees of the cookout party included Paul Markham, who was a school friend of Gargan's and former U.S. attorney for Massachusetts, John B. Crimmins, a longtime political associate of Kennedy's, attorney Charles Treader, and Raymond LaRosa, who had worked on Ted's Senate campaigns. Wives were not invited to the weekend.
0: But it wasn't a boys-only thing. It was like, it's just going to be us and all of these 20-something women. Yes, cool
1: party i <laughs> guess great most of the men had rooms for the weekend at the shire town inn near the edgartown ferry slip and the women had rooms at the katama shores motor Inn about two miles away from there so it was all on the up and up sean
0: why wasn't anyone just sleeping at the house that they had rented
1: i think one or two of them were going to but we probably didn't have a lot of beds or whatever as the cookout went on what we know about the truth of what happened that night becomes fuzzier especially since much of the retelling comes from Ted Kennedy himself. So, gotta take it with a giant grain of salt.
0: Well, sure, it's just him and whoever else was in the car with him.
1: Mm. Pieced together, it goes somewhat like this. According to Kennedy, Mary Jo Kopechny, who was a boiler room girl and a vital data tracker and campaign aide to RFK, asked him to give her a ride back to the girls' hotel in Katama on Martha's Vineyard. Kennedy requested the keys to his own car, which he didn't usually drive, from John Crimmins, who was acting that weekend as the group's go-to chauffeur. But Kennedy was like, I'll handle this one.
0: Yeah, so if you're not just having the driver drive you, I'm I'm guessing he was going to stick around at the room.
1: Well, though he wasn't wearing a watch, Kennedy puts the time they left Lawrence Cottage at about 11.15 p.m., He was intending to make the last ferry to Edgar Town, which would be leaving Chappaquiddick Island around midnight. Again, that's the only way on and off the island. Mm -hmm.
0: And how, how drunk did he claim he was? He didn't. Really?
1: He didn't claim he was drunk. Strangely, Kopechny told no one else she was leaving for the night with Kennedy and actually left her purse and hotel room key at the party. Which is probably not something you'd do if you weren't coming back till the next day.
0: Very true, yeah. Unless
1: maybe you're like super drunk, but...
0: Sure, I le- I do leave my stuff everywhere all the time when I'm sober. Yeah,
1: but maybe they were going to come back. Maybe she just wanted to hang out with uh, Ted alone for a little bit.
0: Yeah, maybe they're going to neck in the woods. <laughs>
1: The film about the incident, Chappaquiddick, which came out recently, hints at some sexual tension between Ted and Mary Jo, with him trying to convince her to come join his office and eventual presidential campaign. Now, this is conjecture, uh, but the filmmakers behind the movie say that this is what they believe happened. In the film, it seems more like they left the party together to talk or flirt or just be alone.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But we're planning on going back. Um, And then Ted decided to bring them down to the beach. Sure. So Ted later claimed that as soon as he left the party with Mary Jo, he headed half a mile north on Chappaquiddick Road and mistakenly made an incorrect right turn onto a dirt road named Dyke Road. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead of bearing left on the paved Chappaquiddick Road toward the ferry landing.
0: So this was an accident, he says?
1: Well, he said he made a wrong turn. However, Deputy Sheriff Christopher Look left work by 1230 a.m. that night, and around 1230, 1240 a.m. saw a dark four-door sedan driven by a man with a woman in a front seat approaching and passing slowly in front of him. The car then drove off the pavement onto another dirt road, Cemetery Road, and stopped. Look called out to the car offering help for who he assumed was a lost driver, but then as he approached, the car quickly reversed and veered eastward onto Dyke Road.
0: Oh, normal behavior.
1: Yeah. So it kind of seems to go against what Kennedy said happened.
0: Well that to me seems to go against him not being drunk, because that's why you <laughs> Yeah. That's why you bolt away from the officer, right?
1: Look stated the well, he again, he's a married man alone in a car with a lady.
0: Yeah, this this cop is going to rat on Ted Kennedy. Probably not. He, for cheating but on his he's wife now.
1: Being a nod. Now, look stated the license plate began with an L and contained two sevens. That's all he was able to see when it was driving away. Um, but it did correspond to Kennedy's license plate. Did begin with an L and contained two sevens. If the deputy's version of events is true, it leaves more than an hour of Kennedy's time with Mary Jo accounted for before unaccounted for. Before the crash.
0: Well, they were probably
1: banging, right? He's very insistent they weren't. He said he was going straight to the ferry landing. Okay, yeah, but... But he's placed in that area later than he probably would have been there.
0: And we're assuming there some parts of Ted's story here have to be lies, right? 100%. Okay, so yeah. I, I think I that's think one they, of the lies. I
1: think they were, at best, talking alone. Um, Probably hooking up, but yeah. Whatever happens, it gets Ted and Mary Jo continuing down Dyke Road onto Dyke Bridge. Now, this is a very thin, angular wooden bridge connecting to like sand dunes, Mm -hmm. which I assume is what Ted was talking about when he wanted to go to the beach. Right. This bridge also had no guardrails, so it's just this thin, shitty wooden one-way bridge plank bridge Mm -hmm. a moment before he reached the bridge ted hit the brakes but lost control of the car flipping it over into the channel of water under the bridge how fast was he going i don't know must have been pretty fast the car sunk until it came to a stop resting on its roof so it's upside down how deep is the water uh deep enough i mean you you would be able to see the car from the bridge in the daylight um, but it was fully submerged. So here's where the only account for what happened is Ted's. Um, so we can't be sure of the truth.
0: But what about the other? Oh.
1: He stated he was able to swim free of the sinking car, but Mary Joe was not. He said he called her name several times from shore and tried to swim down to reach her seven or eight different times, but was not able. He then rested on the bank for around 15 minutes until he returned to Lawrence Cottage on foot. Now, during this 15 minute walk, he said he didn't see any houses on the way with lights on. And though this walk took him past like four different houses from which he could have telephoned for help Mm -hmm. from rescuing Mary Jo, he did not knock on any of these doors
0: he saw the lights weren't on in the house and he didn't want to bother the <laughs> occupants is that
1: well i don't the thing is the first of these houses was occupied by sylvia malm and her family and mom later stated that she was home they had a phone and she left a light on at the residence when she went to bed that evening so he should have seen it yeah but that's what he says he says he didn't see any He arrives back at the cabin. He's drenched and he's in shock. At
0: this point, people can confirm that he arrived back, right? Yes.
1: Uh, He calls for Joe Gargan and Paul Markham to come out to speak with him. And at this point, the film asserts that Ted told Joe something to the effect of, I'm not going to be president. Uh, Again, I don't know. I don't think that's a direct quote. That's
0: just a good line
1: of dialogue. It's a good line of dialogue. It's also true. Yeah. Yeah then ted led the two other men to the crash site um again no one had called any police at this point still joe and paul dove repeatedly into the pond to try and rescue mary joe but weren't able to because there was also like a strong tidal current and the water was pitch black there's no lights on anywhere um so it was there's no way they could have seen under the water the men kept uns- insisting multiple times to Ted that the crash needed to be reported to the authorities. And all three of them debated what to do once they arrived back at the ferry landing um, after that- their rescue efforts were a bust. So they decided we got to go across.
0: I'm guessing that's from their story, right? Ted's, Ted's story wasn't like, they told me so many times. <laughs> yes. We got to report this. And I said, no.
1: <laughs> yes. No, they, they said we told them several times. Now, they're at the, the ferry landing, but there's no ferry coming, but I think there was like a payphone around this area. At this point, while they're trying to figure out what to do, Ted suddenly dove into the water at the ferry landing and began to swim back to Edgar Town. What? Why?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. Did he think he was going to run into uh, Mary
1: Joe on the way? There's there was no other way to get to the main island that night. The last ferry had gone, Um, so he just swam over there. This is about 500 feet he swam, and um, instead of again going to the police once he reached land, Ted returned to his hotel room, removed his clothes, and collapsed on his bed. The film asserts well. He's
0: had a hard day.
1: The film asserts that Joe and Paul actually rode him back to Edgartown, um, and Ted told them that he would be reporting it as soon as he got back. Mm-hmm. So that's ostensibly why the two men didn't call the police at that point. But um, all of their, their official stories say that Ted dove into the water. After Ted got back to land, Joe Gargan and Paul Markham drove their rental car back to Lawrence Cottage, arriving back around 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. They told no one what happened, and when questioned by the other guests, um, they said that Kennedy had swung back to Edgartown, and Mary Joe was probably back at her hotel.
0: And they know she's dead in a pond. Yeah.
1: Around this time, the film has Ted calling Joe Kennedy Sr. to tell him something bad had happened and that he needed his help. The best help that Joe Sr. gives Ted at this point is one word, Alibi. Again, we don't. <laughs> it's basically it. Um, we don't know this really happened. This is on no one's official record of events, but the filmmakers seem to think something similar might have because, after being at the hotel room for some time, Ted put on dry clothes, left his room, and asked someone nearby what the time was, which was around two thirty a.m. Some people think that he did this to place himself at the hotel at that time in case he wanted to use it as an alibi for some reason i don't know i don't
0: think a call to his dad was necessary to to motivate that i think you know this idiot yeah. might have just got back and gone well maybe people should see that i'm here. <laughs> even
1: though the crash happened two hours ago, beforehand yeah. but whatever yeah, obviously he's you, not thinking clearly for sure
0: obviously you would have time to get here after being involved in that crash because you were and you did mm-hmm
1: So Ted goes to sleep How? I I don't know. How does he get any sleep? I don't know. Maybe he just exhaustion? I don't know. He's drunk, too. Mm -hmm. We agree that he's drunk. Yeah. At 7.30 a.m. the next morning, which is Saturday, Kennedy was seen talking casually to the winner of the previous day's sailing race. Oh, yeah. That moon landing is going to be great. (laughs) He was giving no indication that anything was wrong. He was just... Doing the Kennedy thing. It's all because of my brother. <laughs> a half hour after that, Joe and Paul crossed back to Edgartown on the ferry and met up with Ted. And I think at this point, they probably were like, You didn't
0: tell anyone? You said you were swimming back to the mainland to report a crime. Mm
1: hmm. Around this time, over on Chappaquiddick Island, a man and his son, fishing off of the Dyke Bridge area, spotted a submerged car in the pond and well, summoned authorities. I like guess you, you should, would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Police Chief Dominic Arena arrived around 8:30 a.m., then summoned a trained rescue scuba diver and other equipment with the Edgartown Fire Rescue Unit.
0: It's funny because sometimes in a cartoon when you're having bad luck fishing, they'll show you catching a uh, tire. Well,
1: <laughs> this guy got a whole car. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Bugs Bunny. John Farrar, the captain, arrived around 8.45 a.m. and dove down to the wreck, discovering Kopechny's body in the back seat and retrieving it within 10 minutes. So it goes so, without saying, Mary Jo was dead.
0: So it wasn't, sorry, seven or eight times without seeing anything into the Well, he had scuba gear,
1: to be fair. I think the police chief had tried to dive down himself, but he had no gear. Um, so at this point, the police also did it in like a, a scan of the license plate and realized that the sunken car belonged to Ted Kennedy.
0: That Ted Kennedy? Yes, yeah, that Ted Kennedy.
1: Ted Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy, Gargan, and Markham at this time crossed back to Chappaquiddick Island on the ferry, where Kennedy made several phone calls from the payphone at the island side ferry landing. So this is where they were the night before. He was calling different friends and lawyers for advice on what to do, still not notifying authorities about the accident. He didn't know that it was discovered yet. Why didn't every friend and lawyer say hang up and call the police? I assume they did. (laughs) Among the people he called were his brother-in-law, Stephen Edward Smith, and Congressman John V. Turney. He was still making calls when he heard the car and Kopechny had been discovered. Uh, he overheard it from someone around the area.
0: Not calls to police, though, still. No.
1: At this point, him and Paul Markham crossed back to Edgartown Town yet again to go to the police station, with Gargan going to the Katama Shores Hotel, where the girls were staying to tell them what had happened. Then finally, after all this, Ted Kennedy gave his statement on the accident to Chief Arena, an autopsy was not done, and Mary Jo's body was released to her family for burial.
0: Now, Carrie, it's a um, this seems like a somewhat suspicious death. Certainly, an untimely death. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't an autopsy normally be done in this
1: case? Well, here's the thing: most assumed Mary Jo died of drowning. But the coroner and the police diver both thought that she had survived the crash and was down there for possibly hours, with the diver stating that when he found her body, she was, like, rigor mortis, still holding herself up as if trying to breathe in the air pocket in the back seat.
0: Wow. Well, how much air was back there?
1: The diver said that if he had been called, she would have been rescued within, like, a half an hour. <laughs> And there was enough air to have lasted her like three to four hours. So she could have survived if Ted had just, you know, maybe tried a couple times together and then just reported the accident immediately. Wow. Or even even once he walked back to Lauren's cottage, she still could have survived.
0: Well, all of his attempts to dive down and get her probably took an excess of 10 minutes. So <laughs> it, was, it was like 15 time minutes. Time was yeah. getting tight.
1: Yeah. So... The thing is, he didn't, as we know, and that means she could have been slowly suffocating in the sunken car for up to four hours.
0: So much worse.
1: Yeah. Foam and blood around Mary Jo's mouth pointed to this, to the coroner, and very little water was in her lungs, which led them to feel like she had not breathed any in while she was still alive, which would have been drowning. So Mary Jo likely suffocated. With diver John Farrar staying, she probably lived for at least at least two hours this way. Um, unfortunately, the chief medical examiner uh, just put it down to drowning, and um, the family didn't want the autopsy done. So,
0: Mary Joe's family,
1: yeah. Now, there is, of course, people say they were paid off or whatever. I can't say either way about that but um yeah so the aftermath of the accident was pretty terrible um kennedy went straight to the family compound in hyannisport to try and figure out what to do next he was arraigned a week after the incident and pled guilty to a charge of leaving the scene of an accident causing bodily injury
0: uh yeah i think that's (laughs) i think that's fair what about um anything that led to the accident
1: It was just, that was his charge. It was just that. His attorneys argued that any jail time should be suspended, and the prosecutors agreed, citing his age, 37, character, and prior reputation.
0: It's not that often that the prosecutor just agrees with that, right? They're Mm -hmm. like,
1: yeah. He was sentenced to two months in prison, and of course, the sentence was suspended. The judge stated at the time, quote, he has already been and will continue to be punished far beyond anything this court can impose. But I say, impose it. <laughs> Go for it. Try it.
0: That's true. It did um, It did bring a total end to his political career, right, Carrie? He was never able to serve as a senator after that, obviously.
1: <laughs> well, let's come back to that. Um, but the night that he pled guilty to this charge, Kennedy gave a speech on television that same night. And I'll play a little of that for you now. Um, So the context of this quote is he's talking about his like scrambled state of mind in the immediate aftermath of the accident. And I guess vaguely trying to understand his own actions. um, He was told and believes that he was in shock.
0: They were reflected in the various inexplicable, inconsistent, and inconclusive things I said and did including such questions as whether the girl might still be alive somewhere out of that immediate area, whether some awful curse did actually hang over all the Kennedys, whether there was some justifiable reason for me to doubt what had happened and to delay my report, whether somehow the awful weight of this incredible incident might in some way pass from my shoulders.
1: So this is, (laughs) I feel like going, he said it, he said it. Um, But this is like the second official time, like on the record, someone in the Kennedy family has talked about them having some sort of curse against them.
0: Mm -hmm. I find it hard to, this one is Ted's fault. Oh, yeah. Ted was cheating on his wife. Ted was drunk. he says
1: he didn't. He says he wasn't.
0: Ted definitely drove the car too fast off that... Too furious. Too furious, Paul Walker style, right off of that bridge. And Ted didn't go back to get Mary Jo. And I think when he and his two buddies are sitting there on the um, bank, it's better for Ted Kennedy...
1: tell someone rather than do all this crazy bullshit
0: no i think in that moment in ted's head it's better for ted kennedy if this thing can go away without police or anyone knowing about it whether mary joe dies in this or not
1: sure i think that it's a combination i think he was in genuine shock probably yeah yeah and also i think because he was in that state of mind he was thinking kind of like out of sight out of mind maybe if i don't if i pretend this didn't happen it won't have happened but it did
0: and that movie definitely portrays that. I mean, it, it gives you plenty of opportunities to sympathize with, um, Ted.
1: I think it's 50, 50. I think it's, I think it's pretty realistically done. Um, like I said, I do think he was genuinely in shock. Uh, but he made some terrible choices. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And I think that was because of the pressure he had on himself, um, from his family and in his political career. And, um, that was more important to him at this point so
0: if he knew here's my question in that second and he was drunk let's not let's not pretend in that second if ted kennedy thought if he knew exactly what was going on in that moment if he thought okay this girl's trapped in the car she's going to be alive for 2 hours if i can get divers here she's going to survive but i'll never be president Does he make that call, or does he try to find a way to wriggle out of it?
1: I don't know. So an inquest followed this initial uh, inquiry. I don't know. Um, But exhumation of Mary Jo's body to further figure out if she had drowned or not um, was opposed by her parents. A grand jury investigation followed as well, but no indictments were issued. And after a motor vehicles investigation, Ted's license was suspended for at least six months. So I guess there's that.
0: He didn't drive anyway, he had a driver.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There are a couple of fringe theories about what happened with this case. Um, Journalist Jack Olson's investigative book on the case, The Bridge at Chappaquiddick, claims that according to Bernie Flynn, who is a state police detective assigned to the Cape Cod District Attorney's Office, Kennedy got out of the car, and Kopechny drove the car off the bridge herself. And she was, like, too short in stature to see the bridge coming up in the dark. Why did he get out of the car? I don't, I don't know. And yet, Hey, you know what would be <laughs> funny? Let's see a
0: dame drive this guy.
1: <laughs> and yet another book, the more recent Chappaquiddick Speaks, author Bill Penny presented a theory that Mary Jo had actually been seriously injured in an earlier crash— and that the bridge accident was faked. But Why? I i don't know. Because I assume this could have been corroborated by injuries to Mary Jo's body. Um, well, unless the But er- it seems like this is the only place where this theory is found.
0: Unless the earlier crash was somehow more damning to Ted Kennedy, I don't quite buy no. that one. And also, if this was a cleanup, not much of a cleanup. No.
1: Ted Kennedy was re-elected to his Senate seat in 1970, but he did not run for president from 1972 to 76. In 1979, Ted challenged President Jimmy Carter for the Democratic nomination in the 1980 election, but he lost and never attempted to run for president again.
0: Nope, but he was a senator from Massachusetts until the day he laid his giant head down and died. (laughs)
1: Ted won seven re-elections to the U.S. Senate and remained a senator until his death in 2009, gaining a reputation as the Lion of the Senate. Sadly, the Chappaquiddick incident would not be the last tragedy to haunt the Kennedy family. Joseph P. Kennedy II, eldest son of RFK, was the driver of a Jeep during an accident in 1973 that caused his passenger, Pam Kelly, to become permanently paralyzed. He didn't die. No,
0: but he caused... The last couple here have been Kennedy's avoiding death in accidents. (laughs) Definitely involved. That that they
1: caused. Also in 1973, Edward M. Kennedy Jr., son of Ted and only 12 years at the time, lost a leg to amputation as a result of juvenile bone cancer. Which is pretty terrible. Um, Ugh. David Kennedy, another child of RFKs. Uh, keep in mind, RFK had 11 children. So there's a lot of them popping oh, yeah. up at this point. Oh, yeah.
0: Still Irish Catholics.
1: Yeah. So David died of a drug overdose in a Palm Beach, Florida hotel room in 1984. Also in Palm Beach in 1991, William Kennedy Smith, son of Jean Kennedy, one of the Kennedy daughters, was arrested and charged with a rape of a young woman at the Kennedy estate. He was later acquitted, but this case in particular brought up a rumor that he had been present at the Skakel home in Greenwich, Connecticut, on the night of the murder of 15-year-old Martha, Martha Moxley, who was last seen alive with the Skakels.
0: He's he's never, Michael Skakel's never brought up on the news without the prefix Kennedy Cousin. Kennedy Cousin, Michael yes, Skakel. Yes, he was a
1: cousin, yeah. Um, so going into this a little bit, to this point. Going into this a little bit, um, at this point, Moxley's murder was still unsolved. The murder occurred on October 30th, 1975, and her body had been discovered beneath a tree in her family's backyard.
0: Uh, That murder is, big air quotes, technically still unsolved. Yeah,
1: well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, Martha had been beaten and stabbed with a broken six iron golf club that was found by the body, a golf club that was traced back to the Skakel home. Though Thomas and Michael Skakel, Michael Skakel, uh, were only teenagers um, because they were the last ones to see Martha alive and significantly change their alibis in the following years.
0: This is Kennedy cousin, Michael Skakel?
1: And Thomas <laughs> Michael Skakel and Thomas Skakel. Um, suspicion followed them wherever they went. hmm However, they weren't arrested at this point, at least until Michael Skakel finally was arrested in January of 2000. Mm-hmm. Now, we might go into this murder another time for the podcast. Um, It's local for us, and it's got a lot of interesting, weird little twists and turns. But as it remains now, neither Skakel brother nor anyone else is in jail for the murder of Martha Moxley.
0: Yeah, Michael eventually got released after... um...
1: Fairly recently.
0: Yeah, he made the argument that he hadn't received competent defense. And it must have worked for him. I guess. Not the defense, I mean, that obviously didn't.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Going forward, uh, Michael Lemoyne Kennedy, sixth child of RFK and Ethel Skakel, died in a tragic skiing accident in Aspen, Colorado in 1997. Apparently him and some others were playing ski football and he hit a tree. Well... So that sucks.
0: This is another one one I'm going to have to chalk up to stupidity. It is sad. It's sad. But I'm going to chalk that up to dumb.
1: The most major recent entry into the Kennedy Curse Collective came in 1999. And I remember very well when this happened, even though I was only like eight years old. (coughs) John F. Kennedy Jr., at this time an incredibly beloved public icon and the current great hope of the Kennedy family died incredibly tragically and unexpectedly when the plane he was piloting to martha's vineyard crashed off the coast of massachusetts this crash also killed his wife carolyn and sister-in-law lauren Bassett. jfk jr was handsome charismatic and he was basically seen as the perfect melding of his two parents who were already beloved
0: he's in an episode of seinfeld
1: Mm -hmm. so it's John F. Kennedy, Jacqueline Bouvier. I mean, he's got like kind of the dark, good looks, but the nice Kennedy smile.
0: Yeah, He doesn't look quite so Irish, which is <laughs> the other Kennedys all look too Irish. And I say that as a Sean McCabe. <laughs>
1: uh, he was a lawyer, a journalist, a magazine publisher. He was at the height of his fame at the time of his death. And the entire nation mourned as the search for the plane's wreckage was carried out.
0: Yeah, I, I remember that. That was like mm-hmm. that days was, of television coverage.
1: Yeah, it was during the summer, and I remember being on vacation uh, in Long Island with my family and seeing like the, the f- coverage of it on the news and stuff. It was pretty crazy. Eerily, piloting was something his mother Jackie had always asked him not to do, making him promise before her death that he would not take flying lessons because of her specific fear he'd die in a plane crash.
0: That is very specific. Mm-hmm.
1: So he waited until her passing in 1994 to start learning to fly.
0: When the cat's
1: away, mm-hmm. the dog will crash a plane. We could only wish he had heeded her warnings. Um, but no, and uh, it was it was pilot's error. They think, uh, along with other things, that caused the crash. It was a
0: foggy day, if I remember.
1: It wasn't great conditions. He wasn't. Um, I don't think he was licensed to fly at night, but they had left later than they attended. I mean, it was just a bunch of things that added up to a tragic circumstance.
0: And that is true of so many of these Kennedy things, Carrie. Mm-hmm. They're all just a they wouldn't be in the position the situation in the first place if they weren't absurdly rich um socialite political family, right? Mm-hmm. You're not in the private jet. You're not driving the the um fancy car you're not um murdering 15 year old girls <coughs> speak for yourself um so you know these are the playgrounds of the rich and i think they can become dangerous places especially when you think you're bulletproof
1: mm-hmm. now of course if you listened to our real candy man episode a little while ago right after halloween i think uh you would have heard our news segment on the conspiracy theory that most recently surrounded jfk jr that he'd faked his death and was actually both the head of QAnon and going to reveal himself in time for Donald Trump's re-election.
0: Yes, we love an undead king.
1: (laughs) As we know, now that we're on the other side of election day in March 2021 now, that didn't happen. But it just proves the lost potential of his life and what people still hope for it.
0: Yeah, I was hoping he would uh, finally make the appearance at CPAC last weekend, but no dice.
1: No dice. Since JFK Jr.'s passing, more tragedy has plagued the family. Kara Kennedy, daughter of Ted, died of a heart attack in 2011 while exercising in a Washington, D.C. health club. Mary Richardson Kennedy, ex-wife of RFK Jr., committed suicide in 2012. Searsha Kennedy Hill, uh, granddaughter of RFK, died of an accidental drug overdose at the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport, Massachusetts in, ni- in 2019. And most recently, Maeve Kennedy McKeon, another granddaughter of RFK, went missing with her eight-year-old son Gideon in April 2020 during a canoe trip in the Chesapeake Bay.
0: Are they still missing?
1: No. Their bodies were found a few days later.
0: They just drowned.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I, I don't think they know exactly what happened, but that's probably what it was.
0: Well, that's obviously very sad. All of that is very sad. But again, let's remember how many children John and Ra and Bobby had.
1: Yeah, but this is this is the recent generation. These are the granddaughters,
0: right? Grandchildren. So you would have even more. You would have to have even more as the generations come down. And then we're talking about 60 Kennedy kids. If if three of them had tragic deaths over the last 10 years, I think that's actually a pretty good, um, pretty
1: good ratio. Some very fringe conspiracies for the cause of the supposed Kennedy family curse include that the family was cursed by, um, and I'm sorry for the ethnic slur here i wasn't sure what other word to use a gypsy curse oh put on the kennedy family back in ireland or put on joe kennedy senior himself in america (laughs) theater basically uh yeah and this was either if it was in ireland they had ordered this gypsy or their family to move out of land that they owned or Joe Kennedy senior did that for a building he owned. That might
0: have been if it was in Ireland maybe it was more the maybe it wasn't like ethnic gypsies maybe it was like Irish travelers. Yeah, travelers.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Um there's also the original myth
0: that oh, I oh, oh, I should mention that story is bullshit anyway, so it doesn't doesn't matter <laughs> which one it was. Uh, but I haven't heard of travelers being associated with curses, but I don't know that much about them.
1: No me either. There's also the original myth that I recalled at the beginning of our episode, as you just mentioned, uh, which interestingly doesn't start with the Kennedy family, but with Rose Fitzgerald family, Rose Fitzgerald's family. Mm-hmm.
0: Good old Fitzy money bags or what did he call it? Honey Fitz.
1: Honey Fitz. There's also yet another theory that it goes back to the Kennedys originally making their money in America on the bootlegging business and other dark dealings and mm-hmm. that this has left its mark on the family's luck forever.
0: Yes, certainly. No one in the U.S. who's profited off of uh, uh, death and misfortune has uh, has managed to stick around.
1: Mm-hmm. So the question here is, Sean, do you think there's something more nefarious at play? Is there a real Kennedy curse? And uh, going back to Chappaquiddick, what do you think really happened there?
0: Oh, I think we know what happened with Chappaquiddick. Don't we? I mean, he panicked for about a full day figuring out if there was any way to save his ass. Well, he was in the first couple hours of his panicking a girl died who didn't have to um, I don't know. He probably should have gone to prison. Uh, a lot of people would argue he did some good in the Senate for the rest of his life. So um, it's tough. It's yeah. not tough. It, it was a bad, bad thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know it, it... Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I'm a liberal and the Kennedys are a uh, staunchly liberal family, um, but that doesn't mean they get a free pass uh, to, to act badly.
0: You could have found another Massachusetts senator to pass liberal policy, I think.
1: Yeah, I think they're around. Um, yeah. It's just really tragic and, and most tragic of all uh, for the Kopechny family. Now, in regards of a Curse! What do you think there?
0: No. I think the Kennedys became very quickly a very wealthy, very powerful family. They also had a ton of kids. (laughs) And so I just don't think it's very surprising. The 60s were a violent time in American politics. Mm -hmm. So two of the Kennedy boys became two of the most um, popular and therefore most controversial figures of the 1960s. And they were assassinated like... Um, a lot of political figures were in the 1960s.
1: Mm-hmm. And plane crashes. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to take a private plane if I can help it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I ugh. small planes.
1: No, thank you.
0: Small planes are a lot more dangerous than big commercial planes for reasons that I think are obvious, right? And the thing about everyday Joe assholes like you and me is we don't fly around in private jets and uh, and so we die from plane crashes a lot less.
1: Knocking on wood here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's okay. You, you barely let me drag you on planes anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wish there was more of a story behind it, like Tut's curse, you know? Like, I wish it was more of a here's what we think happened and then the family actually thought this too, but it just seems like the law of averages to me. And plus, if you're in a state where you're like super wealthy and super famous, um, you're going to get targeted for these things more. Mm-hmm. And also, you're going to get the opportunity to do things more in terms of uh, taking small planes or, you know, behaving badly.
0: And obviously, we'll have to do a, a JFK assassination
1: miniseries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's tragic. I think the family as a whole has done a lot of great things for America and for people, um, including like the civil rights movement and um, just all different kinds of things. But they make some bad choices. They make some bad choices.
0: John F. Kennedy literally was the only reason we avoided thermonuclear global war uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis.
1: Yeah, they've done some good things. <laughs> yeah, i i I
0: know he I, I know he fucked around on his wife, but that was he was a pretty good guy.
1: I think his heart was in the right place. Um,
0: yeah, just not as. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
1: Want to treat your pup to something special. When you visit www.barkbox.com slash ain't it scary. You can receive a free month added to your plan. When you sign up for a six or 12 month subscription, That's an extra month of two fun toys, two full-size bags of treats, and a tasty chew at no additional cost. Recent box themes have included Home Alone, Liquor Treat, and a night at the Squeak-Easy. Poe loves trying out new toys and treats, and he was psyched to get a Bark Box. Your pup will be too. So sign up at www.barkbox.com slash scary for a free month added to any 6 or 12 month subscription. That's barkbox.com slash A-I-N-T-I-T-S-C-A-R-Y. Give your furry friends something to bark about. We're back at it again with crying Saucers. Last weekend, American Airlines flight 2292 from Cincinnati to Phoenix reported over radio that a long cylindrical object looking almost like a cruise missile shot quickly over the plane at 1.19 p.m. on Sunday. This radio transmission was accidentally intercepted by blogger Steve Douglas, who pinpointed the plane's location, 37,000 feet in the air over the northeast corner of New Mexico.
0: Has anyone confirmed this or is it just Steve who's saying it's legit?
1: It has been confirmed. On Monday, the Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA, released an official statement saying a pilot reported seeing an object over New Mexico shortly after noon local time on Sunday, February 21st, 2021. FAA air traffic controllers did not see any object in the area or on their radar scopes. The FBI also released a statement of their own saying... Quote, while our policy is to neither confirm nor deny investigations, <laughs> uh, the FBI works continuously with our federal, state, local and tribal partners to share intelligence and protect the public. Mm-hmm. For the record, New Mexico is both the home of the White Sands Missile Range, a U.S. military testing site, And, of course, Roswell, location of the famous Roswell UFO incident.
0: I gotta say, I hope they're not testing missiles by firing them just (laughs) over commercial airliners.
1: Well, for what it's worth, White Sands is around 400 miles away from the area the plane was when it encountered this unidentified object. So it's likely that it wasn't a testing missile. (laughs) Um, But it's an official uh, UFO. They didn't identify it. So we'll be sure to keep y'all posted on any updates.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes, I you know, I've seen UFO videos where an elongated object will fly right in front of a... Um, we were watching that countdown recently, and there was like an elongated object mm-hmm. that flew right in front of a pilot's view. And all I was thinking of at that time is if something's moving really fast, it becomes elongated as it moves.
1: Yeah, but birds aren't flying 37,000 feet in the air. So you have a more narrowed-down scope of what those objects can be.
0: Yeah, that's true. Was it was it 37,000 feet? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, I, I'm also more likely to trust a pilot or someone else similarly experienced in aviation when they say they don't know what something is mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you would think that they'd be able to figure it out most of the time.
0: Yeah, but they don't necessarily know everything that can possibly happen. Sure.
1: But, you know didn't look like a plane is all i'm saying sure so uh yeah
0: well i think that's fascinating but there's no video or anything obviously it's um i don't report. believe
1: so no but um the faa has confirmed that this report did come in so we'll keep you posted all
0: right well again if it's an alien better that than a, i think a missile test is the worst case scenario here probably <laughs>
1: That's it for this episode of ain't it scary with Sean and Carrie like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ain't it scary and check out our website at ain't You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. We'll be forever grateful.
0: Yeah, and special thanks to our Tier 3 patrons, Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, and Jared Chamberlain, and Maria Ferrante. We have a lot more fun stuff coming for you guys soon, so anybody who's interested,
1: take a look at that. Yeah, they just uh, voted on my next episode, so I'll be tackling that in the coming weeks. Look
0: at that. Decisions are are being made, and you (laughs) can be part of it. Be in the room where it happens.
1: (laughs) See you next Thursday.
0: Show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe, music by Kyle Ryan, and you can check Kyle out at his excellent YouTube channel, Music is a Verb.
1: This has been a production of Longboy Media.